Hello, what's going on? Rich Ryan here. This is the Reinforced Running Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. So, last week had some logistical things fall through, and that means this week is a Q&A. So, thank you everybody who, again, participated in Instagram. Make sure to give a follow on Instagram to know what's coming out uh, and when and all that good stuff. So, this week, we are just doing straight up Q&A. So, it's me answering questions that you had submitted. So a couple of topics we talk on, we talk about aerobic first 15 minutes, talk about how to build your aerobic system while not running. We talk about, let me talk about how to put together a strength training plan on a typical seven day schedule and what that kind of looks like. We talk about the importance of warming up and exactly what to do for warming up and, and, and how like physically you're leaving results on the table if you aren't doing a proper one, I'm kind of getting to the science of that a little bit. So make sure to check that out. That, that was, I thought that was great. If you ask me, that was great. And talk about transitioning from CrossFit or high intensity training into endurance events, and then just some mental mindset stuff when leading into a race. So I think that's all we got for you. Got some good torque talks coming up later this week. Had a bunch of good races for the, the torque peeps. So make sure to check that out. We should have a ton of content coming up on that end. And also, if you did not check out on the YouTube page, there is a breakdown of my most recent race at DecaFit in New Jersey. So I'll drop that link in the show notes so you can take a look at that if that is something that is interesting to you. All right. Q&A. All right, what's happening? So today we're just going to go over a couple of questions. Thank you for everybody who participated on the Instagram poll. Some awesome questions here. So I just kind of want to dive into a few of them. Some topics that we may have covered in the past, but really some things that we can uh, really kind of sink our teeth, teeths, tooths, teeth. Definitely sink our teeth into. All right. So the first question is about your aerobic work and, and the different implements you could use. So basically the question is like, can you use the assault bike to get the same aerobic benefits <clears throat> as you would for running? And the short answer to this is yes. And the goal of aerobic training is to essentially improve your aerobic capacity. And that's what longer, slower efforts are going to do. And the bigger your aerobic capacity, the more oxygen you will be able to uptake during exercise, the easier it will be to you know, m metabolize your, your fat as fuel. It's going to help you improve your mitochondrial density and just help that whole process kind of work itself through. And it also will help get rid of the byproduct from some of the anaerobic work that you, you might be doing as well. So really you do need to build this, uh, this gas tank. And the best way to do that is through aerobic work. So the, the main issue with running in general is that it's pretty destructive. It's really hard to do a lot and stay healthy especially when you are trying to get into some higher volume or if it's your first time really putting in higher volume or making uh, an attempt to do that. A lot of times it seems uh, athletes will, you know, sit at a certain level that's comfortable. And at a point it's just like, okay, you need to get a bigger aerobic, a bigger aerobic capacity. And then the best way to do that is by spending more work doing easy work. So if you immediately try to do that with running, these injuries pop up. And if you've run any type of distance, I'm sure you know what those common ones are, you know, overuse injuries, shin splints, soft tissue stuff, uh, like runners, knee, all that, all those things can typically be deduced back to some sort of overtraining. So this is where doing things like assault bike or the regular bike or rowing or any type of cross training is really going to be helpful. As long as you're kind of sitting in that easy effort uh, where you don't want to 
get in, into the habit of is you know hopping on something like a Peloton class or some high intensity rowing class or just like doing higher intensity things on these implements because it it doesn't feel as bad, right? Like running, you can will kind of regulate how often you can go hard because you start to feel bad on the rower or like on a assault bike. You can go hard and physically not feel as beat up right like so it's no impact it's very low impact so your joints don't hurt as bad you won't be as sore the the next day it won't be sore like really at all so it feels like you can kind of go a little bit harder on this but or, or even like say crossfit right like crossfit you get your your breathing up it seems like you are hitting it pretty hard in a high intensity class like it's it's still you're still working on what would be your endurance but kind of a different piece of your endurance. So uh, made a, I made a YouTube video <clears throat> a couple weeks ago about this, the same type of, of issue when working hard and why working too hard is really going to set you back. You kind of need to have these things in balance. So I mean, I'll make a, I'll put a link in the, the notes below if you do want to check out that video, but I'm just going to kind of go over it now anyway. So the main problem with going too hard and not having your aerobic capacity being built is that your ability to produce lactate through your anaerobic system will just outweigh your ability to get rid of the byproduct of that and where your aerobic capacity is going to help that. So really, if you have time to spend and work at a and do a huge amount of aerobic work, then you can definitely do more anaerobic work because you can still kind of stay in balance. But for the vast majority of people who are training, you know, under 10 hours a week, who have full-time jobs or who are just like really starting to build themselves up, you're going to need to spend a lot more time working in, on your aerobic system because that's what's really going to help with the, the processing it through. So the the analogy that I used in this video, it's, it's along the lines of like, if you imagine you had a, uh, a, office or not an office, if you had a factory that is an assembly line factory. So the goal of this assembly line factory is to produce as much product as possible to then you know, export it out, make some money. That's, that's the idea, right? So when you're using your lactate system, you're going anaerobic on, in these trainings, what that's doing, it's producing energy faster. And actually when you produce uh, pyruvate, which turns into lactate, that energy is used much quicker than what you would through your aerobic system. Uh, but that's why you're using that particular system when you're running faster so that it can produce that energy quicker and get it to the muscles and, and be able to respirate that energy in, in a, at a quicker pace. And that's what the anaerobic stuff does. And that's why it feels like when we do anaerobic stuff, it's, it feels more like what we're going to encounter in a race. But when you don't, when you're producing faster, faster amounts, like if you're producing too fast of products on this, assembly line, what's going to happen is eventually you're going to get a log jam. You're not going to have enough employees who are going to be able to package things up and, and get them out the door so you can essentially sell them. Things are going to slow down. And that's what your aerobic system does. Your aerobic system are like your the employees who are going to handle the product. They're able to, the bigger your aerobic system is, the easier you're going to get rid of that byproduct of lactate. And that's where we talk about, start talking about lactate. I got lactic acid or acidosis and that general fatigue that you're feeling. If your aerobic system is higher it will help you get rid of that byproduct. And so you don't feel that fatigue sooner. So like if you are always doing anaerobic work or doing it too often, you just don't have enough time to build up your aerobic system to get it to a certain level. 
So that's really important why we need to spend this time doing aerobic work. And the, something like the assault bike or the or the rower, if you're able to sit there and just go easy, I would probably monitor heart rate when using these things just to make sure that you're not going too easy and putting you in, like in, a, in a proper zone, but also so you don't go overdo it and really making sure it's just easy, easy work. And eventually, as you continue to progress, you can start to be a little bit more specific in, in, your, in your running to, to kind of help bump that up a little bit more. But if you're looking for just aerobic benefits, going easy on the bike or rower will definitely work. And we actually did a podcast uh, with Kirk DeWintz not too long ago. I think it was in April that talks a lot about this, like that's the different training methods of how to do easier work more often and not like it's, it's titled low, low, uh, high volume, low mileage. Right. And that's kind of the concept. And it's, I know it's a lot how he trains, how I've kind of taken some training on this year of uh, when building back up is spending a lot more time doing the easier stuff. One thing, one thing that is interesting with this though, when, you are starting to work into something that's going to be a little bit more specific. And this is kind of the caveat here. And when you want to do your anaerobic work, there's been some studies that have shown this was done in swimmers. So the swimmers, they were getting their lactate tested after every interval. And they were actually changing different styles of stroke. And that, was even changing how much lactate they were producing while training. So I would, so to me, that means that you would need to be very specific when doing your harder workouts that are going to be these like faster lactate producing, um, style of workouts. So you might need to be running those. So if you are trying to do a little bit more quality work on say the rower or the bike, it, it will be better than nothing. Like if you're completely hurt and you can't run at all, then yeah, I would definitely recommend doing some of this uh, lactate production work at the gym or on these machines. But if you are just trying to keep your overall miles down just to save your body, I would do almost exclusively just easy work and still try to do the hard workouts uh, on, on your feet. So that's going to be a little bit more apples to apples when it comes to the, the production and how you're going to be able to produce the the byproduct that you're looking for so it needs to be pretty specific when we're talking about your your race specific workouts so that's again that's why doing workouts like crossfit they not, they're they're good and they're going to get you what you need but they're very specific toward crossfit it's not gonna it's really not gonna move the needle when it comes to your your running um at a certain point maybe when you first start out but really not not over the, the long haul it really really won't matter too much so i hope that makes sense so basically so short answer is Will the things like the bike be able to benefit your uh, aerobic system? Yes. And you should definitely use that. And that's something that as uh, for programming is something that I'll put in for athletes, especially when they're getting started or if they have a bigger event coming up, it's kind of hard to juggle, especially in OCR. It's like, okay, we do, we were training specifically for a super. And then all of a sudden there's a beast coming up and there's not enough time really to build a ton of volume on feet. It's like filling that in with biking and keeping that, aerobic system down is, is really helpful. And it's also really helpful to do the bike. If say you are new to running and you can't really keep your heart rate down without needing to walk, or if you've ever tried to do like uh, maximum aerobic function math style training with your heart rate, you know, that it's hard, especially when you're first getting started, it's hard to keep that heart rate down and things on the bike or the road, your heart rate will stay down. So you'll get those aerobic benefits without going anaerobic 
while not even realizing it, well, well, a run that actually feels easy and then you're just missing the system, right? And that's the main thing where you beat, where you like beat a dead horse down about going easy, going easy. And yes, it helps like your joints and it helps like your muscles feel better and you're going to recover a little bit more. It's just going to keep you a little bit more fresh, but also just going to help the, the build the appropriate system so that when you are able to do your hard work, it's going to matter. If you're running too hard on your easy days, and then you are doing your hard days. They're all kind of the same. You're all always kind of working in that same system. And then you're just going to be overtraining. You're never really going to get better. So doing the biking for your aerobic work, if you're just starting out as a runner, or if you are having a hard time keeping that heart rate down and you're just like, well, I'm still running easy. It feels easy. It doesn't mean the way that you're metabolizing energy is, is in the appropriate spot. And it's really hard to know those things. Like the heart rate, it's it's as good as we got. It's not like we don't know exactly how, like how much lactate you're producing based off of your heart rate. I mean, you can kind of draw parallels between where it would be, what speed you're running and, and uh, what your heart rate is, but you also need to have the measurements of lactate and like all these things combined, they don't exist that readily for people to use in their training, Uh, especially just someone who is doing this again, you know, less than 10 hours a week, don't have like all of like the enhancements or availability of high end equipment and training and like the the expertise and the knowledge, which is actually really hard to come by. It's trying to figure out someone that can tell you this, this type of information. So it's, you don't really know what's happening (laughs) when you're, when you're running in terms of like how things are being produced. I mean, at certain points when the workouts are harder, you're going to feel it and you're going to feel that kind of burn. It's going to be really fatiguing, kind of get that feeling in your stomach. That's a little uncomfortable A feeling in like your, for me, it's up in my like lats or not lats. My traps get really kind of fatigued and I can feel it in my, my lower legs. And, but it's mostly an energy feeling like kind of in my gut is where I know it's like, okay, like this is a, a point of running where I'm definitely outside of my aerobic zone and doing like Threshold intervals are, are, are really going to be what's going to help help you feel that way. But as you exercise longer, you'll there will be a spike in the amount of lactate you're going to produce. So you might not even feel it as you are kind of doing like a longer tempo run or just like a regular long run where you might get out of out of that aerobic zone and start working into that anaerobic zone. Which again, we want to build up your aerobic engine. And you can't build them at the same time on like a same on the same run over the course of training. You can, but at, at a certain point you just start to work on your anaerobic system or your aerobic system. So like you need to spend time doing the aerobic work. So again, if you have trouble with, with running too fast, then bike some more or, or row a little bit some more. So short answer. Yes. Yes. Do, do, do those things. That would, that would be very helpful for that. So next question was about strength training and how to kind of fit that into like your standard seven day a week schedule. So when it comes to this, it's really going to be goal dependent, but I do think that strength training is certainly going to help anyone who wants to get 
stronger, anyone who wants to get faster, anyone who wants to stay healthier, especially as we are aging as, as athletes, many of us who are participating in obstacle racing or even just running in general, like we are you know, these forever type athletes who are going to keep doing it for a long time and want to stay as strong as possible with where we are at, at a certain point. So this is where the strength training really can help with just your bone density and, and being able to produce different hormones that are going to help with recovery and your overall strength. And, 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 and from a performance standpoint, you, it could definitely help depending on your background. If you're coming as from a straight up running or endurance background, like you're a triathlete or, or just a runner, you need to get stronger just for these events, just straight up. There is going to be a strength component and that you won't get as a runner typically, unless you are, you know, like, uh, the, the Bracken crackers and, uh, Kirk DeWint who were in the weight room as, as runners, but that's very, very small amount of runners are going to come out with any type of strength that, that is needed. So if you're thinking you need to kind of up that, it's definitely going to help for most obstacle courses. And at a certain point, the competition is going to be so strong that you, that a lack of strength is certainly going to inhibit your ability to, to perform well. You can get by on fitness for a certain point, as long as you have some of the terrain stuff down and, and like your skill on the course and just like your overall know-how about how to do it. You can, you can definitely perform pretty well, but at a certain point, you're just going to have to be strong. Um, you'll lose time on things like the carries or the hoists or the tire flip, these type of things. Uh, and it will ultimately stifle your, your highest capability as an athlete in this sport and especially in the hybrid racing, like you just need to be strong. Like there's nothing in the hybrid racing that it would be harmful. And to a certain point, like it's almost, I don't even know how big too big would be. And if, if you are working on endurance, it's going to be hard to get super huge. <laughs> so uh, strength training for hybrid stuff is, is crucial, crucial for your power, your, your complete power output. So, so the question here, I think, is more based around like time restraints and trying to figure out when to stick things in and and do it in lieu of of running, perhaps. So, really, the I would recommend two days a week in the OCR training in the Reinforced OCR training group, uh, which is just a strength training program with that has like some uh, library with some training plans that I put together. In that, that we're we put three workouts together each week, and this is just based off of flexibility for people so that they are able to. Uh, have a couple different options. So that's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And that's probably as much as any obstacle race athlete is going to need to be in the gym it's three days a week. There's a certain point where just the, the time spent where you could be doing your running workouts, like say you're training for a beast and you're just going to need to start putting in, you know, eight to 10 to 12 hours of just aerobic work because it's a lot of of time on feet. And that's really what's going to make or break that as opposed to like how heavy you can deadlift. It's going to be how, how strong can you be under fatigue and you got to build again, your aerobic system up for that. So in that case, when you're doing something really long, or if you're training for like an ultra three days a week is probably too much. So typically two days a week is perfect. One day a week will be good enough for athletes who just want to maintain. You can maintain muscle mass and, and your strength fairly well off of really low volume. Um, once you build up that muscle, it's really hard to get rid of. If you ever talk to someone who is just like too jacked and needs to like lose weight, then it's, it's a, it's a grind. It's hard to, and that's very much, you have to manipulate it through nutrition. So really for this, it's about getting more, just one or two times per week and also making sure you're eating 
enough protein and to, to maintain that. So that's really the, the route. Like if someone wants to lose muscle, it's like trying to keep their protein down. Really they're like their, their primary, uh, protein sources that are going to be a lot of times it's just like your dairy, your meats, your, or just like your protein powders that do have some sort of full amino acid profile. A lot of times you're going to get protein, like you'll get protein from things like rice or uh, some sort of grain, like there's protein in a lot of things. And, and if you eat enough of it, you'll get more, but it's not, it's not as good of a complete source of protein. So as long as you're, you can even just cut down on the, the consumption of uh, your, your primary protein sources, if you're trying to lose the actual muscle mass, which someone else had a question about as well. It's like, what's the best route to not get jacked in doing strength training? Uh, and that's probably it. But at that, at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, where, where's the goal here? Uh, what do you need to get better at? And if you're already too strong, you don't want to get more jacked, then you probably could step away from the weight room in general and definitely drop your protein consumption. You're not going to, you really can't put on muscle at a certain point if you're not in a caloric surplus. Um, the, you, if you just started out lifting, you will probably get some newbie gains or if you guys who have come from running or got into the gym a little bit more because of OCR, you probably see you're putting on some muscle just because of that adaptation that can, that can kind of kick in just from, from lifting heavy stuff, right. From putting on a little bit of a certain point, you're going to need to eat a little bit more than what you're spending. And if you're doing that, you're, you're, you can put on muscle, but you're also probably going to put on a little bit of fat and a little bit of size as well. So, and if you're eating less, you'll probably be under and be losing weight. So that's kind of that equation when it comes to putting on uh, size and, and strength. And one thing that I find does happen is that if you start hitting the weight room a little bit more, really, there's not incredibly taxing when it comes to caloric output. Uh, so like if you're just doing a, an hour of strength training, mm, you're probably only going to burn, I don't know, 300 calories, depending on how big you are. Um, and have this whole nutrition calculator that you can use to kind of punch that in. I'll, I'll put I'll put that down in the, in the notes as well. But you can just kind of punch this in and just see how much, how many calories you need per day if you are running or if you are uh, lifting. But the lifting is pretty low. But one thing I found does happen is that the more work people do, the more it feels they are entitled, not entitled, or I guess we'll say entitled, entitled to eat, which is just uh, kind of this, this thought in the back of their head. So they end up being in a surplus because they're eating a little bit more because they're doing a little bit more. And you're not, you can, you can replace those calories pretty quick if you are uh, eating after a strength training session. So it doesn't, you know, you're not going to burn a ton. And I found that people was like, oh, okay, yeah, well, I went to the gym today too. So yeah, I should be a little bit hungry. Maybe eat and you can go over, you can go over pretty easy or at least meet the maintenance requirements so that, you know, potentially you're going to put on muscle that way. So if you don't want to put on too much muscle, uh, then just, just, it's a caloric, it's a caloric equation. So anyway, back to what this would look like. So two days a week, I would say Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Friday. And then there's a couple of ways you can kind of go about this and how you want to prioritize it. So for me personally, my, I like to split my quality running days and do my strength training, my heavy strength training workouts on separate days. And I've done, and it just depends on what, on, on what kind of strength training you're doing and how demanding it's going to be. And 
how well you feel you're going to recover from the two. I, I feel like I can recover from both of these things fairly well because they're so different where I'm lifting at a really heavy, uh, doing like heavy sets of back squats and deadlifts. And then I'm able to recover fairly well to my running. At least it feels that way. And, and it seems to be going pretty well and from a health standpoint and just from a performance standpoint that works for me. And then with those days of training, I, you I would also recommend if you have time putting in some sort of aerobic work with that's something that's really easy and really light. So it would just be like doing for me, this is what it looks like. It's like an hour to an hour 20 of strength training. And then it's going to be about 45 minutes to an hour 10 of some sort of easy aerobic. And that can be done directly after, or it can be done split into doubles for uh, like double sessions with like a morning and evening. And then the way I'm kind of structuring things now is that, I will, I'm doing everything at once and I'm doing my strength training first because that's the priority of the day is, is getting stronger. If you were to, if your main goal was to get faster or get ready for competition, then I would put the running first and then put the, the lifting second. There isn't really, there is some, there is some information out there about which is going to be beneficial, but typically what these studies have been based around has been how what your maximal strength, what your max maximum amount of size you're going to put on for strength. Strength has been definitely researched a lot more than endurance. So like these two things and how they work concurrently and how it might benefit your, or, or have a negative impact on your endurance. We're not really sure. And it really doesn't seem to present any sort of stifling of your, of your endurance. So you can do it whenever you really want, <laughs> wherever it feels like, but just know like if you're lifting after a harder workout, your lifts are going to be, are going to suffer just based off of fatigue and, and vice versa. So you might lift and then do uh, your running workout, but you might be more tired for your running workout at the same time. Like that could also be beneficial if you want to get better at running compromised or, or running under fatigue, because that is something that is appropriate for obstacle course racing and kind of be a little bit more race specific. So if that's something that you want to gain, again, it just depends on your actual, your goals there. So you can do a back squat session and then do some threshold repeats later, later after, if like you feel like that's something that you can handle and you're just gonna be a little bit more tired for those. And you should still get to the appropriate um, place where you will be able to develop that energy system in, in an appropriate manner, but you're just going to suck a little bit more. <laughs> and sometimes it's about doing that for OCR. Just like, how can I make this suck a little bit more? And will that be beneficial for, for the races? And sometimes the answer is, is yes. Um, as, as sometimes as even if it doesn't make any sense, sometimes it just has to suck a little bit. But so if you can't afford time to have like, so my days, like I just said, it's two hours, two hours, 10, two and a half hours of, of, of work on my strength and aerobic days. It's still kind of a long session. And I may, I'm, I'm able to prioritize it uh, because I'm fortunate that way in terms of how my like life demands are. So that might not work, but if it is something that you do want to put in, I would just do one heavy compound lift and then just do some grip work and call that a day in this, in the, in the, in the strength room. So doing something like a, uh, three by three for deadlift at like 90% of what your one rep max would be with a big set of rest in there. And then doing uh seven, three repeaters, which would be uh 
seven seconds of some sort of hang. It could be loaded or it could be like on a uh, climbing fingerboard. Something that's going to be hard, uh, something that's relatively hard for seven seconds and three seconds of rest and doing that for a minute. That's a really good grip endurance builder. And you can do three or four sets of that. That's about, uh, and the super set that with something else. So you could do that and then do, I don't know, uh, lunges after you're done with your seven three repeater and then go back to, and then rest for two minutes and then do a seven three repeater into lunges again All right there's three movements that are gonna be very specific to the sport the deadlift is just going to help your overall strength the lunges are going to help your single leg strength and stability and help like your climbing ability and that works more of the anterior so working your, your front side with like your quads after you whack your posterior with the deadlifts and then the grip work so i would do one to two heavy compound movements and then some grip work and then just beat it. And you could do that in like 30 minutes. And so it doesn't need to be an hour, a big long thing where you're doing a whole bunch of stuff. It doesn't need to be an hour. It doesn't need to be an hour 20. You don't need to be doing all of the things. You can need a good grip and you just need to be generally strong and you will get those things if you have that. So, and then if you flip it on the next day, I would do heavy back squats. And then I would do something similar with the grip work, either doing that or doing seven, three repeaters again, or doing something like max hangs, which is like a really heavy 10 second hang. It's like doing a deadlift for your grip where you're just hanging for 10 seconds with a bunch of weight loaded up. But I would also use like a towel to hang from or the ledge. Cause if you just do like a straight bar, you can load up like hundreds of pounds and that's just kind of like a pain. Uh, and then just resting a bunch after that, or doing some sort of supersets, say straight leg deadlifts or good mornings or bent rows, which would actually be really great. So you can get your posterior again and act, then also work on your pulling ability. Um, one other thing that I probably try to toss in is some sort of core. Um, GHD sit-ups are my favorite. And then toast to bar are also a really good one. Something you can get a little bit wider of a range of motion on and still be able to kind of have a little bit of athleticism involved in it as well. But some, uh, those are my two favorites for core strength, but anything else like, you know, uh, Turkish getups, um, something like that, just knee, like hanging knee raises, uh, something along those lines. So I would add in something like that too. So real simple, three exercises, three, uh, sections of work, heavy compound grip work, superset with another compound accessory and then core and then be out of there. Probably take 30, 30 minutes with a warm up if that's what you wanted. And then you could have the next 30 minutes for it's like, say you have an hour and then do 30 minutes of aerobic work. And then, so you have both kind of taken care of within that 60 minute window that you might have or whatever time you have left over, do the rest of that aerobic work. Um, the other thing I mentioned at the top was about how to kind of put them in. So if you're doing your strength workout and then you're doing your, um, then you're doing a hard running workout. So sometimes people like to stack those so that the recovery days can really be recovery days. So it'd be like easy day, Monday, hard day with strength and with running on Tuesday, recovery, Wednesday, recovery, Thursday, easy aerobic work, biking, whatever we, whatever you want to do. And then hard again on Friday, easy Saturday, long Sunday. And that's a pretty good way to kind of fit it all in with, uh, and making sure you can prioritize your recovery but again, these workouts are going to be pretty big. So if you are, say, say you do like shift work or something like you do, like you work at a hospital and you have um, a couple of days where you're, you're able to work out twice a day. This is a pretty good, a pretty good uh, system for that, where you can really load up on the days where you actually have time. Cause the other days you don't have any time. The other days have to be like an easy run or easy spin on the bike where it's like 30 to 
30 to 60 minutes is all I have, or you're just exhausted on those other days and trying to get in a hard workout on top of a, you know, 10 to 14 hour workday isn't reasonable. So then being able to kind of stack your hard days when you have them is, is an appropriate way to do that. So I don't know if that's, I think that was a different, I don't think I was, I think I went down a, a different path there, but so two days a week, I think it's plenty. Uh, and then figuring out how it's going to work on each one of those days is really dependent on you, but making sure you get those in heavy compound lift, some sort of grip work and some core work. All right, cool. So this next question is about tips on uh, warming up. So this is, this is actually an interesting topic that n- should be drilled in a little bit more than I feel like it is. And this is something that I know uh, on race days in particular or something that are, are, it's kind of hard to manage and like figuring out like, Oh, what kind of warm up should I do? When should I do it? When should I be done? And there's a couple different factors behind the warm up because it's, uh, there's some race day factors that are kind of in the play. Or if you're like, there's like COVID factors, like doing the Spartan race earlier this year, it's, you couldn't even go into the venue. So how are you supposed to do a specific warm? So stuff like that, or, or it's like hard to figure out where you are. You're just like, there's just travel logistics. It's just a pain, but overall for a warm up, and we're going to talk about this. We'll talk about it from both from twofold, from your, your training perspective. And then also from, from racing and like what the difference would be if any. So if you're not warming up before your race, there's, you're definitely leaving some results out on the table. And this, I feel like I've gotten pushback in the past because people are worried about not about being fatigued from their warmup. And if you're fatigued from your warmup, you're probably not going to race well anyway, because you're just not in the fitness where you need to be. So you should always have your warmup done. <laughs> you should definitely do it. It will make the, 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 the race feel better. And there is this, there was a study that I was just reading that was talking about how we talked about lactate before in that er, in in the first question around like your aerobic and then into in versus anaerobic work and your amount of it takes about ten let's say twenty minutes to get your aerobic system completely online like it actually does take time to rev up so if you just start running you're not it's it's going to take time for that to get developed and once that starts to go that's how you are starting to rest like like move your energy through your body is through your aerobic system and it takes 15 to 20 minutes to actually work at its highest rate where it'll just kind of sit and have like a steady state and just kind of start start really operating at its full capacity so it takes some time just for that to happen. And if you aren't, if that, if your aerobic system is not online, your anaerobic system is going to have to kick in earlier than it would have if, if your aerobic system is off just to supply that energy. Cause you'll still go fast. Like you can still push yourself into a place where, uh, where like your body's just going to have to figure out what energy system they're going to need to use. So if you're, aerobic system's not on your anaerobic system kicks in and the anaerobic system is going to have that nasty byproduct where it's going to feel like fatigue right away. So if you are not warmed up enough, you're going to feel tired almost as soon as the race starts because you're going to be relying way too much on, on lactate as energy and the byproduct of that is, is harmful for your performance and your aerobic system needs to be online to help 
help deal with that byproduct to get it through your system and to make sure that you can kind of again sit into a set a steady state because there is a point where the amount of lactate that you're producing you can just kind of sit there and and it won't spike up and down like we might get these spikes more in ocr just because like you know there's a big hill to run up to now you gotta pick up this big thing so things might spike here and there but overall like for the most part it's it'll just regulate back to where it can for or, or wherever your training kind of has put it based on whatever speed you're, you you feel like you can run but if you're not warmed up you you'll you'll feel a spike in it it'll be outside of its typical range it'll be higher before everything kind of regulates down to that steady state. So it's not necessarily going to make your performance that much worse because you still are going to have energy and it's going to be there and your fitness hasn't changed because you didn't do a warm up, but you're just going to feel worse right off the, like in the first mile of the race, which is terrible, <laughs> which why would you want? Like, I would just kind of put you in a bad mindset. And that'll be like one of those races where like, well, I felt bad in the beginning, but then I just kind of, I got into the groove and was able to kind of kick it, kind of was able to kind of move through it. But a lot of times that like we use these cues, these physical cues to determine how the race is going. And you always want to run the race that you're in, especially in OCR. Like we want to, things change so much. So we can't really be reliant on, you know, how your body's feeling, quote unquote, how, uh, like what obstacle you miss, what place you're in. Like if you were worried about those things the entire time, your race isn't going to go well. So you really need to focus on where you are in that specific moment. So I do, I mean, like you get that lactic spike, you'll feel terrible. It'll come back down. You'll feel good. And you'll be able to race fine. But a lot of times you get that lactic spike, your body feels terrible. You're like, oh my, this isn't my day. I, I'm not like, this is like something's wrong in my training. I don't feel good. And then that will just have to be a downward spiral to not really kind of push back into where you might need to. And maybe something kicks you into gear later on. But that initial thought that goes through your head about how you're not fit or how you're not ready or how it's not your day, it's really detrimental. So on top of the physical, like the physical it's it exists and you will feel a little bit worse if you're not warmed up but it will go away that's just like your plans like ah screw it i'll just warm up in the first mile and just i'll just get into this race later it'll be fine uh if that's your plan fine and if the race is long enough like it's not super necessary like if your uh, goal is to complete a marathon it's not necessarily oh, okay i want to sit and run 530s for 26.2 then yeah you probably could just warm up in that first and it's probably better for you just because you don't you won't go out too hard but or like an ultra right you're gonna go out on a uh spartan ultra you know six plus hour race you can afford the first 20 minutes and, and like it's probably slow enough that you won't even really need to kick on into that lactic system that lactic anaerobic system really quickly anyway but if it's any other race <laughs> where it's you might want to not feel that way so you should always have some sort of warm up built in just to avoid that th this problem this problem i'm talking about for your for your mindset just so you're not like oh it's not my day i feel bad and uh, then it ruins your race um, even though like physically you are ready so standard a standard program or standard warm up that i will do for my own training and something that i prescribe to the athletes is just uh, seven to 10 minutes of easy running and then five to seven minutes of 30 seconds, hard 30 seconds, easy. And that can kind of take you to it. That should get a good sweat going. It should be a little bit that'll give you a good time to get that aerobic system on because you are starting easy and then you're kind of working into the hard. So the warm up, it will feel kind of hard, 
but again, it's not going to be so hard that it's going <laughs> to, it's going to take your, take fitness away from your race. And again, if that ends up being the case for you, then your, your training's not right. Then you're not, you're not fit enough to be racing at any good capacity anyway. So it doesn't really matter. And I like to do some sort of speed drills to help uh, prep this, just to help the, the movement patterns and just like my landing patterns and just kind of prime everything. But then at least a 15 minute warm up where there is some sort of hard running in there, just again, to make sure everything's online and everything is, is working through. So you should plan. I mean, logistically, it's better to have this you typically want to be at the start line 10 to 15 minutes before like 10 minutes probably is, is where you're going to want it to be the most. I mean, in your own training, in your workouts, you can do your warm up and, and rest for, you know, two to five minutes is typically what I'll do. I'll do a hard, hard warm up, do the speed drills, and then kind of sit around for a little bit, go over the workout, my brain, how I want it to feel, how I want it to be. And then we'll do it. So in, in a, the first sense of like a workout, three to five minutes of rest, but logistically of the, of the race, it's not optimal, but if you can get there and ensure you get a spot where you want to be and not, you're not going to miss the start of the race, then I would say 10, uh, 10 to 15 minutes, usually more on like the 15 minute side, unfortunately. So you're going to work backwards from that. So if, if that means you're going to have to start at least 30 minutes before your race, if you're going to do a 15 minute warm up, I'd probably start even a little bit, uh, a little bit sooner, maybe 35 to 40 minutes out, just in case you need to stop in the bathroom, you need to change your shoes, you need to just hold deal. And then you got, you got to work backwards to how much time you want to be at the venue beforehand. So this is all and how much you're going to be eating before that as well. So usually I want to be, have my meal done four hours before, uh, the race time. And usually that's pretty digested by the time the warm up is anyway. And then I like to be there at least, at least an hour before the race, just so I can kind of settle in, find the bathrooms, find all the deals that I need to, and I can get things started with the actual warm up of the race. And that's how it looks like on my workout days as well. It's doing 15 to 20 minutes easy, uh, not easy, 15, 10, half of it easy, half of it kind of hard. Just so that first interval doesn't feel terrible. And, and most, and sometimes it still does. <laughs> sometimes that first interval does feel bad in these workouts. more often than not. It's not the, it's not the best. So take that in and put that into your training. It's like tomorrow, like this needs to be something that you are doing and you're doing often. So if you are coaching athletes, make sure that you are having a conversation like this, or at least prescribing it into their, their workouts, like however you're delivering it, make sure you put that, put some sort of warm up in for them just because it's not intuitive always for someone to, to get out there and do a warm up. And I've talked to like some pretty good athletes in this space who don't really warm up, like, you know, people who are age group competitors who want to take the, the results to the next level. Or, or if you are coaching someone who has a little bit more experience, who may have come from some sort of endurance background, uh, just make sure that you go over like, or you're, you're, you're like giving them the option to do what they know they, they need to do that's going to make them feel best because you'll see that some you'll often just like lean on what you did in high school or college or something like that. And as long as that's something that they feel they can do well, then go ahead and, and, and let them, let them do that. Let them do that stuff. Cool. So this next question is about how to transition from things like CrossFit into, uh, into more of like an endurance event. So I'm just going to take this and, and work in generalities around, around this term, like a CrossFit and 
you know, you don't have to necessarily be doing CrossFit at a CrossFit quote unquote gym, uh, because a lot of these high intensity interval places, a lot of these boutique fitness spots, pretty much every gym that exists now has some sort of group component, uh, with it. And it can all be kind of construed and kind of, uh, derived from CrossFit. They're usually like CrossFit light is what I'll call them. They're just like, they don't have barbells. They don't have some, like they won't be doing muscle ups. It will probably be a little bit cleaner in there, but the workout themselves is still going to replicate what CrossFit does. So really any high intensity interval training program is like, you know, I'm talking about Barry's bootcamp. We're talking about, uh, like rumble any any of these f45 is the epitome of crossfit like they basically just took crossfit and are like all right let's just let's just take this and just use dumbbells instead of barbells and just do push-ups and stuff and then we'll just say it's our own thing but really it's it's crossfit <laughs> and it, it, it's really high intensity interval training crossfit was the first one so now that's what we're thinking so if you're thinking you're not doing crossfit but you're doing high intensity training you're definitely doing the same thing as CrossFit only it's probably, like I said, just like in a cleaner, cleaner space, which is great. So coming from someone who's training this way and how to kind of put it into an, an endurance field, it's going to be a lot what we talked about in that first and that first topic about the aerobic work. That's going to be the main thing, putting in more time with slowing things down, slowing things way down to build up this aerobic base, because that's where a lot of times CrossFit athletes, who are doing like your typical class schedule, like where it's going to be, you know, you go in and the first 20 minutes is a warm up and a strength piece. And then the next 10 to 20 minutes is some sort of Metcom piece. And then you cool down or you do whatever accessory stuff you want to do. And that's what you do four to six times a week. So you're working out maybe six hours a week and none of it, it's aerobic work. Absolutely none of it because your metabolic conditioning, your Metcon is always going to be kind of pushed a little bit harder. There's definitely some CrossFit gyms who are, are moving toward this things like doing things for quality and making sure the movement's right or, or putting it on some sort of pacing. But the programming for CrossFit, it can certainly be implemented to a point where you're going to be working in a specific zone just based on the workouts themselves. So say it's like an EMOM or something like that, where you're going to be doing work for 40 seconds and resting for 20 seconds. That's a good way to kind of regulate your efforts so that you're not going crazy, but even still it's, you'd have to do that for an hour and like have it be something that you can sustain for an hour because eventually you're just going to get your your muscles are going to fatigue and you're not going to be able to keep up the effort that you need that for that long of the aerobic work that we're talking about where you're really going to have to spend some time at a pretty easy effort um to get those aerobic benefits so yeah <laughs> so the, they they so the the crossfit class format isn't really going to work. And I know a lot of times people will, will split off from the class and then do something that might be more OCR specific or hybrid race specific, but the model in which they're following is still kind of the same, um, where it's going to be some sort of taste of CrossFit or intensity in their workout somewhere. Um, where and and having a lack of, of aerobic work still. So one thing where I actually think this is beneficial is having your anaerobic work done 
in dosage in, in frequent dosages as opposed to just doing like one or two mega workouts with a ton of volume. So like say a standard anaerobic workout for a runner, if you want, if you're doing say OCR stars, you're doing, there's a three mile run. That's what the first event's going to be. So 5k. So you're going to really want to spend time in this anaerobic zone because you're going to want to be able to produce that lactate quickly because it's just a faster style of, of, of producing energy and a 5k is a fast race. So you're going to want to spend time with doing like these hard intervals, anywhere from the two to five minutes of really fast work. And that's, what's going to help you get, uh, to get that byproduct and to help clear out the lactate and help produce that lactate and then clear it out. So a typical workout would be, I don't know, let's say five by five by three minutes. That's a pretty hard workout. And with two and a half, three minutes of recovery. We're talking about thousands to 1200s, thousands more at, at that, at that pace. So very hard five by thousand, two and a half, two and a half minutes rest, two and a half, three minutes rest is a ball buster. It is a hard, hard workout. And so having that type of hard workout is harder to recover from. So one thing that I think CrossFit does really well is they dose it, they, they dose this anaerobic response frequently, but maybe without this mega, uh, this one mega workout, they may do one mega workout per week, but they had doing a little bit often. So I think, I think there is something to having some sort of dose of anaerobic work often in this. So if you wanted to keep that, I, and doing, you know, eight to 15 minute, uh, workouts and just kind of making sure that you are getting into this, this anaerobic zone. Like I think that that is actually something that CrossFit does very, very well, but the highest level of CrossFitters are doing a ton of aerobic work. They're sitting on the rower, they're sitting on the bikes, they're just doing aerobic work because they know they need to, and they have the time, right? They said they, they work out like five to eight hours a day. That might be your whole week. That might be your whole week of training, but they're able to do an hour or two of, of aerobic work because that is the time that they've uh, allowed themselves and they know it, it matters. So I would take out a lot of the uh, intense, longer intense work, or I would really cut short the strength work because if you're coming from CrossFit, you probably already have a good foundation of strength, uh, good enough for obstacle course racing or even hybrid racing. There might be a certain point in hybrid racing, like say for two, if you're doing a high rocks event where you, your strength is still going to matter quite a bit, but I would just kind of move that one or two times a week, uh, doing something really heavy, just again, to be a little bit more specific in your race and then kind of work and then still working on those machines and things like that. But I would cut out a lot of the strength work and I would add a lot more aerobic piece. You could still keep in those anaerobic, these anaerobic metabolic conditioning type workouts, but they won't be supported if you don't have a, a big aerobic engine tied to it. So making sure you have that aerobic engine like up and going and just spending time going slower, <laughs> just, just spending time going slower and you're going to have to get better at running. So if you're coming from, that's one thing CrossFit like dipped its toes into running form for a little bit like that when Brian McKenzie was on there was CrossFit endurance that was a big big piece of it they toasted up the they 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 taught the pose method which is you know pretty standard advice when it comes to your 180 steps per minute like keeping your strides short landing underneath your hips is really actually how I learned a lot about running form and kind of got into it all and but they don't necessarily talk about it that much now and if you're going to CrossFit class it's not they don't spend a ton of time working on the skill of running. 
So there's a lot spent, a lot of time spent on the skill of doing everything else, the skill of doing cleans and snatches and, you know, muscle ups or pull ups or whatever it is. There's a lot of time spent on skill work, handstand push ups. There's a lot, but there's not much time spent on the skill of, of running because it's not uh, that big of a part of it. So this is another place where I would really, I would work on some speed drills. I would add in some skill stuff. I would work on some mechanical stuff. I would do some sprints, sprints up, uh, up like up short hills or just doing flat sprints and making sure the mechanics of running are really coming around because you're already probably pretty strong. But if you can put those physical mechanics into a place that will be advantageous for your running, it would be really, really helpful. So I would do that a lot of aerobic work and then just some mechanical work on, on the running and you can kind of leave the rest the rest of, if you want to get your your anaerobic conditioning in uh for a little bit and then maybe for it six to eight weeks out from your your event i'd probably move out of the metabolic conditioning stuff and place in more like running specific workouts because again kind of going back to that first topic com- being able to produce lactate while running is going it's going to be hard to get the same you're not gonna be able to replicate it as well in the gym. So taking, you know, those four to six weeks of being very specific toward your running workouts and maybe still having the anaerobic stuff that like a couple still like one, one or two short metcons per week. But again, the rest is going to be aerobic stuff and mechanical stuff. So, uh, spend some time doing slower, slower stuff, slower stuff. It's kind of the theme here. I kind of am answering, seems like I'm answering one of the, que- like the same question, or I'm just kind of always going back to, it. I'm just, I'm just thinking about aerobic work. Just get out there, just doing aerobic stuff just going. So cool. Last question for the day is just kind of like mental mindset going into like the week of a race. And this is something that has changed tremendously over the years for, for me personally and how that can affect the race is pretty big. I mean, I used to get really worked up about, uh, the race itself and the specifics of the race. And, uh, and it would be nervous from the first time, like I would hate doing tapering. I would hate tapering because either I just didn't feel like I was ready or I just needed to do something that felt a little bit more, uh, like progressive, something that I could feel like I could do stuff or I want to, or feel like I needed to do more stuff or just feel bad because I wasn't working out as much. And I felt like my body felt bad and gross. And that was just like <laughs> this whole process of feeling not good of being, of having it feel, be stressful for the entire like week leading into a race, which I think is common for many athletes, right? It's like this big buildup that we've had toward something that, you know, might carry some, some weight that we may have put weight on that we associate this, this outcome that, that we don't know about yet to all of our efforts and just to how we have done in our training and, and some, and, and different elements from, from that perspective. So that has changed quite a bit with being committed to a specific timeline. And this is something that I, I beat into the ground with the athletes who I coach. And it's one of the first things we, we talk about is like, what's an appropriate timeline to, uh, to, uh, to be able to accomplish the goals that you have and either if those are outcome-based goals or if they're just like lifetime fitness goals or if they're just like effort-based goals, like how much time are you willing to dedicate to, to do that? And oftentimes I'll ask that question to people and the, the answer is always, almost always like a long time. This is something that's important to them. So they're like 
five, six, seven years, 10 years, sometimes people indefinitely, I will do, I will do whatever it needs to take to be as best as I possibly can for as long as I possibly can. And that's awesome. So like we have to keep that in mind when leading into any specific race, that this is just a step in the process that will ultimately lead us to our long-term goals. And that really shifts that mindset away from, I need to do everything I can to perform well to th this week. This has a lot of meaning on it. It's like, no, this is just a part. This is just a step in the, in the right direction, or it's going to be feedback that we're going to get. And, you know, we'll taper down, we'll do everything that you physically need to do to feel good that day. But in terms of like really, really building something up, it's almost always detrimental. It almost never goes well. If someone's like, this is the race, this is my, this is everything to me. This is what it's going to be like. Then they might have something circled on their calendar with that in mind, but putting that type of weight on any specific event is just stress inducing and stress cause costs energy. And that's energy that you could be using to help you perform better. So, you know, just having some sort of commitment and being committed to that for a uh, long term has really helped the, the way to just accept that this is just another another step being process oriented and just moving forward so it's felt really it's been nice for me and my personal to think that way because like okay this this carries nothing like i have a long time to get better and this is just a step along the way so it really doesn't change anything so my mindset is pretty much the same i i might just prioritize sleep a little bit more um which has also kind of backfired for me in the past like putting instead of putting weight on the actual outcome of the race, I put weight on how much I'm, I sleep every day, which just made me sleep terribly. So that's another thing that just to kind of be cautious about and, and making sure that there is no big change in anything of your routine. Um, just making sure you're tape, if you want this to a race to where you're going to physically feel good and ready, then just put a taper on. And that's, that's the main thing, but keep that goal in mind. And it's a long-term process and that, you know, no outcome is really going to be uh, defining in any race. You know, it might be part of the legacy that you write long term. Um, and that's basically, but that's something that you do every single day. So for race week in particular, it shouldn't be any different. It should just be about doing everything that you've been doing, committing to that process, getting to that start line and just expressing the, your greatest amount of effort possible or whatever desired out whatever desired output you want to give on that day. And if that's the goal, then that should be it. And, and having some sort of some sort of softer goal, something that's that's another thing I like to ask. So what is what is what's a successful race look like to you if uh, if there is no outcome? Like if you don't have that's not what place you're gonna finish. Like what can you do to execute during to create to make the race even about process as opposed to being about outcome and just like, okay, what can you do during the race? What kind of things you want to accomplish? What, what, what does success look like for you in this race? And it could be just effort. It's like, Oh, I want to feel like I'll leave everything on the line. I want to not fail any obstacles. I want to stick with my plan. I want to get like push as hard, push past my comfort zone on a couple of points. I want to work the hills harder than I have in the past. I want to walk less. I want whatever it is, is going to be just different goals that are going to help keep you kind of grounded and um, allowing you to kind of step away from that outcome. And again, just commit it to that timeline. Cool. So that's Q&A for today. I appreciate you guys listening all the way to the end. If you are enjoying these podcasts, hook it up with a rating and a review. I would love it. I would love it. If you have five stars, give five stars. Four stars, give four stars. And 
or just let me know how to make it five stars and I'll, and I'll, I'll do what I can. So rate, review, subscribe, get this wherever you can get podcasts. All right, that's it. Later. <laughs>